0: So, Taylor, there was uh, a baseball game today. Patrick Mahomes making his debut as uh, not as owner of the Royals, but this is his first opening day as a part owner of the Royals. And uh, our boys in blue, they got it done today.
1: Yeah, the Royals were – they're back now. We kind of we, – we got rid of them for about five years. We didn't really talk about them or think about them or anything. And then now we're back. We're back. We're back.
0: And the Royals are back. And this had a – this had a kind of a Chiefs vibe to it. Uh, the uh, Royals piled up 14 points/slash runs on the board, which was fantastic. Two touchdowns over the uh, the team from Texas, right across the way from the uh, the Cowboys facility, Jerry World, there in Arlington. Coming up to the K man, this one, this one looked pretty gross early. This, this had uh this had a little bit of a 2019 chiefs playoff run vibe.
1: Yeah, it absolutely did. It, too bad it wasn't the Astros instead of the Rangers, but we'll take it. It was a, a five run top of the first inning for the Rangers, which was, you know, everybody five runs before and out five runs before and out was even recorded. And, um, you know, it kind of reminded me of that Luke Hochaver opening day start a couple years yes, ago, where he gave up seven in the top of the first or whatever it was before the Royals even came to bat. And yep, same, um, that was against the Indians. And I was at that game and it was, I think just, I was at that game with you You were, yes, that's right. And it was just disgusting. And, but this time the bats turned it around and, and they came to play and they knocked in five of their own in the bottom of the first, not things up. And that was the Miraculously, that was the first time in major league history that two teams scored four or more runs in the first inning of an opening day game.
0: That's crazy. That's how many games did you did you did you determine how Uh, many games? Let's do
1: let's do some napkin math. There are, you know, 15 or so opening day games a year when there are 30 teams. And it's been oh I don't know you know if that's a hundred years that's fifteen hundred games and obviously the number of teams has fluctuated a little bit but yeah I so mean that's, we're talking
0: about over a thousand games for yeah, sure yeah the
1: sample size is gigantic and for for and four runs each team isn't it's not like each team scored ten you know right. I mean a four spot happens all the time in the majors so for that to not ever have happened in an opening day until today it was pretty wild but then the Royals kept it going and they uh, they ended up like you said putting up the 14, they hit three homers in the game. Michael A. Taylor was the player of the game. He had two runners gunned out at the plate. He hit a dinger, um, picked himself up, three hits, was just really, um, that's a great debut for our new center fielder. And it was a, It was just a ton of fun. Rose baseball's back. Wade Davis and Greg Holland both pitched. What? What year is it?
0: What year is it? It's 2021, Our my friends, and the Royals and Chiefs are back. Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, the podcast brought to you by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs, or on Twitter at si Chiefs. I'm Austin. You can find me on Twitter at Real Bird Lawyer. That's an Always Sunny in Philadelphia reference. And here with me, as always, my fellow Royals fan, Taylor Witt, who you can find on Twitter at Taylor underscore Witt. Taylor, what's going on?
1: I got my Patrick Mahomes Royals jersey on today, which, uh, you know, is mm-hmm. one of my favorite purchases. Mm-hmm. Of the last, you know, forever of my entire life. It's got Mahomes on the back, Royals on the front. It's just all my favorite things wrapped into one. Living, loving life.
0: You know, it's going to be fun if we ever get an NBA team to have an NBA Mahomes jersey. And if we ever get a hockey team to have a Mahomes hockey jersey. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just is the the applications (laughs) there are just endless. I'm just going to start
1: writing Mahomes on the back of all my shirts, just regardless of whether they're jerseys or not. I'm just going to he's just always going to be with me. Um, I am excited to eventually buy a Bobby Witt jersey. That'll be, you know, pretty, pretty fun little gift for me to have a Royals jersey with on the back.
0: A Michael, a Taylor jersey, and then you could have a Taylor and a Witt jersey. <laughs> Don't also. think I
1: haven't thought about it, especially after that debut today. Woo!
0: Speaking of shirts, Taylor, nice. what's the what's the sitch with these uh, these Always Sunny and Chiefs
1: Kingdom t-shirts? Man, that was a segue, if I've ever heard one. Boom, uh, nailed it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, they have officially been shipped out from the UPS store, so they are on their way to the first batch of our loyal listeners that all decide to jump on board. We're going to do another batch probably coming up here in a month. So if you would like, if you've seen the tweet, it's a clean looking shirt, red shirt, yellow letters, looks great. Go ahead and shoot me a DM on Twitter at Taylor underscore wit. You can shoot me a discord message if you're into our discord server. And if you would like to be in our discord server, also shoot me a message on Twitter and we'll get you hooked up.
0: Yeah. These shirts are, they're gorgeous. They're beautiful. They turned out better than I had could ever have possibly hoped i'm going to pin this tweet right now so if you guys are looking for this tweet i'm going to pin taylor's tweet on my feed so you can always come to my twitter page at real bird lawyer give me the traffic here just pin this tweet right on up here and if you guys want a shirt feel free to dm taylor we will get you into the next batch it'll be fantastic we got a great show for you as always we're going to talk about the news there's always news and there's actually news this week there wasn't last week, but there is the Chiefs signed some players. They lost some players. There was a big trade in the NFL, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. We got a couple of mailbag questions and then we're going to close it out as we have been doing for the past several weeks, with a roast of an NFL draft class and this draft we're going all the way back to 1999. We're going to party like it's 1999. And this draft was berserk. They, they did party. Like it was 1999, (laughs) like the world was going to end. At least the Saints did when they traded their entire draft class for Ricky Williams. We're going to talk about that whole draft. It's going to be great. At some point in the future, we're going to roast John Gruden, but we're giving him a few more weeks to do some goofy stuff before we do that. Probably do that right after the draft is what I'm thinking, Taylor. I don't know, but... Uh, Corey 04, the artist chief, gave us that idea. And, of course, I can't stop thinking about it. I've been teasing it for weeks now. It's going to be great. It's probably going to be pretty much the entire episode that week. So stay tuned for that. But, Taylor, first, let us get into the (laughs) news, (laughs) news, (laughs) news, news, news. That's that's good. Okay. (laughs) So the Chiefs made made a signing. They they signed some players. So after a couple weeks of not really – they came out hot the first day. And then they struck out on a bunch of guys for like the next 10 plus days. And then they made a signing. The Chiefs signed Jaron Reed, a defensive tackle from Seattle, who had been cut just a couple of days prior to that. The Seahawks could not agree with him on a contract extension. He had just signed a two-year extension last year. They decided to part ways, and the Chiefs swooped in, beat out seven other interested teams, according to the Athletics' Nate Taylor, the Athletics' beat reporter who covers the Chiefs. They did sign him up to a 1-year deal, 5 million dollars base up to 7 million dollars in incentives, uh, up to an additional 2 million dollars I should say, to get up to a total of 7 in incentives. Uh I mean, what are we what are we getting here? What's what's uh what's what's your what's your thoughts? Well,
1: first of all, uh he is tight with Frank Clark. They obviously had great success together in Seattle before the Chiefs acquired Clark and um that played a big factor in the signing. He reached out to Frank and they kind of talked through some stuff and he knew he wanted to come to a, a winning franchise and all that stuff. But I do think that that friendship there allowed the chiefs to do something that they hadn't been doing all off season, which is win a bidding war, which was to actually get a guy that they wanted that other teams also wanted. And so that was, that was probably as significant of any part of this to me was just to see the chiefs get a dub in a, in a, Area that they hadn't been getting that recently. Uh, but as far as the player, you know, I think having a, a beefy defensive tackle that can get after the pass or the get after the passer and do all that stuff will allow Chris Jones to do some more uh some sneaky stuff, kind of move him around to the outside a little bit, get it off of some double teams, do some stuff. He Chris has been obviously taking up the focal point of the entire other teams uh, game plan on the defensive line for a couple of years now. And so to be able to kind of give him some relief there is going to be huge. Yeah.
0: I mean, he's also been playing just an extraordinary number of snaps. I mean, he's when he's on the field, he's out there pretty much every snap, pretty much every down. I mean, he's playing for an interior guy, just an extraordinary number of snaps. It, it'll be nice to have the option to, rotate him out of the lineup if need be to keep him fresh. Cause he is a guy that occasionally has struggled with injuries. He obviously had the, the groin issue in the playoffs last year that kept him out of the Texans game uh, limited him in the Titans game and uh, had some injuries. I think the year before that as well, he's, he's missed a game here and there. So it'll be nice to keep him fresh. I, just, in terms of raw production, I mean, Jared Reed has, has had some numbers. He's put up some numbers in 2018. He had 10 and a half sacks. 12 tackles for loss, 24 quarterback hits. He obviously was playing with Frank Clark that year, Mm -hmm. who also had himself a very nice season last year, really kind of being the guy on Seattle's pass rush. They really, I mean, their, their best pass rusher last year, statistically when he was in the lineup was Jamal Adams, who's a safety. So Reed not getting a lot of help, but last year still had six and a half sacks, uh, five tackles for loss and 14 quarterback hits. He's 28 years old and this is my favorite part of the deal, Taylor. It's a one-year deal, which means it's a contract year, which as the late great mm-hmm. Therese Taylor would say means the contract year. It's undefeated, Taylor. Yeah. He's playing for another deal. He's going to be 29 when he gets, you know, his next contract. I mean, this is his last chance to secure a big payday. And so he's, he's going to be motivated. He's going to be hungry. I I like the signing a lot.
1: I do too. And I think I was worried when we were talking about adding talent to the defensive line that the Chiefs would go out there and kind of put more money into what's already been an expensive defensive line. And that's not the case here. They didn't go out and sign Reed to a, you know, a five year deal or anything like that. It's a one year, five to seven million dollar deal. That's, you know, absolutely nothing, especially given the Chiefs cap situation, which is still pretty comfortable. Um, So I just think that was nothing but good. I'm really excited about that signing.
0: Yeah. When we did our little free agency draft, you kept ragging on me when I kept wanting to add edge rushers. Seven in. edges. It's yeah, not that yeah. you didn't
1: want one of them. You You drafted all edges, but.
0: No, not all of them, but a lot. Hmm. I, I had several in my, my draft. And that was a point that you made with the first one and continue to bring up with each subsequent edge that I drafted for <laughs> our free agency draft. But this is a great signing. It's uh, certainly is a value signing. He, now a lot of guys say this, who knows if this is true or not, but He did say in his presser, and this was reiterated sort of by independent reporting, that he had maybe some other offers on the table that would have paid him more money. So, you know, that's always great to hear because we had guys snubbing the Chiefs for less money. Juju looking at you, you son of a bitch, Uh, but Jaron Reed uh, wanted to come here. He wanted to wreak havoc Were the words that he used wanted to sign with the winning team. And certainly Frank Clark and Chris Jones were both part of the recruiting process there. He's going to be a fun player that, that defensive line. Certainly um, we could use another edge in there. Plug, you know, Melvin Ingram. If you're out there, if you're listening,
1: clowny, you,
0: you still got time, buddy. You know, we, he came in for a visit. I I've not heard of him going on visits with any other teams haven't heard any other teams with interest. So, you know, if we could get Melvin Ingram in there, like as a, another rotational edge guy, uh, man, that would be a nasty defensive line. I I mean, just, that would be, if your if your four man defensive line, you know, on certain pass rushdowns on third down is going to be Frank, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Jaron Reed and Melvin Ingram. Mm. Tasty. That's dirty. Third and long. Oof, buddy. That would be fun. That'd be really fun.
1: Yeah, they're uh, they're definitely going to get after the passer, I think, a little bit more successfully than they did last year. Hopefully. stack
0: so. nation, baby. Chiefs signed a center and his name is Austin, but it's not <laughs> Austin Ryder. It's Austin Blythe. Taylor, be honest with me. Had you heard of Austin Blythe before the Chiefs signed him? I had not. I had not either. So we're going to opine on him. We've obviously, we've done a little digging. We've thrown a little film up there. We've looked at his PFF grades. What are your, uh, what are your thoughts on this signing?
1: Well, you know, with offensive linemen that I don't consider myself to be an expert in, in their skill sets per se. um, I love the fact that he played 16, 15 and 16 games the last three years for the Rams. I think that's, you know, a gigantic step for getting a guy in, that, um, you know, he's 28 years old and has played three full seasons in the NFL for a good offense and a, a, you know, dynamic offense and knows what's to be expected of him. And he's versatile. He was a right guard for eight from 18 and 19 and then switched over to center in 2020. So, you know, the Chiefs are just going to still keep with their five guard lineup out there and just <laughs> roll out a bunch of guys that can play guard. But um, yeah, he's he's definitely a guy that I'm, I don't think the chiefs extended on at all. I think that they looked at what Ryder was going to want to come back. And they looked at this guy and they're like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to replace you. See Austin and brought in another Austin.
0: Yeah. See Austin and welcome in Austin. I'm glad that it was Austin Blythe because I think the next Austin on the list would have been me. And I am not (laughs) qualified to play center for the chiefs. Uh, Austin Blythe, uh, graded out as the ninth best center in football last year by PFF, a little bit different uh, guy than Austin Ryder. Austin Ryder had a very good pass blocking grade, but a very poor run blocking grade. Uh, Austin Blythe is kind of the opposite, not a very good pass blocking grade, better run blocking grade, a little bit more physical guy. It's going to be interesting to see how he kind of fits into this line because the Chiefs have added some more physicality on there. And I think we saw... You know, the first game of the year last year uh, against the Texans, when the Chiefs came out with their fully healthy lineup, when Coleccio Simile was fully healthy and the tackles were fully healthy, that was a really physical line. And then yeah. we saw it again kind of in Buffalo uh, when they went on the road to Orchard Park and were playing against the Bills. You know, they came out with kind of a different lineup there. Nick Allegretti. I know got into the lineup that game. Daniel Kilgore got into the lineup that game. And that was also a pretty physical game where the the line really dominated in the run game. And, you know, to some degree, I think that, I mean, obviously you want, you want your line to be able to pass block, right? Like, (laughs) sure. (laughs) But, you know, we have a quarterback that can make magic happen. Pass block for himself he can pass block for himself and you don't want him to do that you don't want to have to rely on him doing that and obviously there are limits to that as we saw in the Super Bowl but man it, there's not really any such thing as a running back being able to do that right like if you can't run block your running back isn't going to unless he's Jamal Charles I guess right uh which which none of the backs on the current roster are and and none of the current backs in football are let's be honest but Man, I I think it'd be kind of nice to have a a line that can really run block and and we'll live with okay pass blocking.
1: Right. Yep. Yep. I completely agree with you. Now, Austin, here's a quiz for you. Austin Ryder and Austin Blythe represent 40 percent of the active Austins in the NFL. Mm. Can you name the other three? uh,
0: mm, This is tough. Uh, Is Austin is Austin Johnson still active in the NFL? <laughs>
1: he's, he's the one I wasn't sure if you'd remember, but obviously yes. Austin Johnson is still active in the NFL. He is one of the three that are left. Is so he you a got pullback? two more. Austin Johnson is a defensive tackle.
0: Hmm, I, I thought he was a fullback. But the Giants
1: I... last year in Tennessee, the four years previously.
0: So then the other Austins, I don't, I don't know. They play 100%. offense, skill okay, positions. So, okay. So there's, you're not counting Tavon
1: Austin. Are you? <laughs> I am not counting Tavon Austin or the late great Miles Austin. Obviously. <laughs> okay, that's not fair. late, dead, late retired. So
0: late retired. Yes. yes, he'll always have that one game against the Chiefs at Arrowhead in right. whatever it was 2011 or yep. something like that. Yep. Romo, Miles, Miles Austin's Austin cut us up. The, the highlight of his career had like 200 yards or something in that game. Yep, Ugh, it was berserk. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Tell me. Who one are they? Was a running
1: back hmm. uh, in the division
0: in the division austin eckler
1: sure yeah there course. you go and yeah. one of them is a tight end that got paid and then didn't do much
0: oh austin hooper sure There you go yeah so, yeah gotcha
1: so austin eckler austin blythe austin hooper austin Ryder, and austin johnson
0: there yeah we well that's uh that's a good collection of guys and i wasn't far off with saying that the next guy on the list would have been
1: me <laughs> that's why i looked him up <laughs> there were only like, three other austins left in the be? nfl yeah uh-huh who,
0: Who would it be? Probably Austin Hooper next would probably play the next most capable center. And then maybe Austin Johnson, uh, since he's a defensive tackle, I assume he's got some meat on him. And then Austin Eckler could not play offensive line. I think I could play offensive line as well as Austin (laughs) Eckler could. I don't know. He's tough. He's tough, but he's small. He's small. He is. is. Speaking of fullbacks, Austin Johnson is not one, but Michael Burton (laughs) is Taylor. Former Saints signed with the Chiefs today to replace the sausage. Be honest with me. Had you ever heard of Michael Burton before today? <laughs> uh,
1: you know, I haven't. And I'm perfectly fine to admit that because I know a crapload of NFL players. And if I haven't heard of him, most people, I assume, haven't heard of
0: yeah, I mean, we are talking about a fullback here. Uh, He has a total of – Yeah, center fifth, of a fullback are the two. Yeah, yeah we yeah. have a total of 15 career rush attempts, and he's Ooh. been in the league since 2015. So he's played six NFL seasons, and he has touched the ball or carried the ball 15 times. He also has 17 career targets for 13 career receptions. So, you know, he's uh, he's Reliable. got a grand total of 28 career touches – in six seasons. So, you know, he's a fullback. He's, uh, he's a fullback. He's 28 years old. He played for the saints. Uh, I guess we're going to still do fullback stuff. You know, we, you got to have a fullback on the team, I guess, if you're the chiefs, Andy Reid. you know, I mean, as innovative as the guy is, uh, he doesn't want to say goodbye to the fullback, right? Like he's like, I got to have a fullback on my roster. His sausage is out the door.
1: In comes Michael Burton. That's yeah. Funny. But he's a guy. Chiefs fullback usage has been some of the lowest of any team in the NFL over the last several years. So, I mean, even though, you know, the chiefs are bringing in a fullback, but like, I mean, it's not really going to matter.
0: It's not going to matter, but it's interesting that they still feel the need to have a fullback on the roster. I, I, I don't know. Sure. Just, you know, let, let Daryl play fullback. Let <laughs> let Daryl Williams play fullback. I don't, I don't know. It, it is what it is. Uh, they didn't pay him very much money. That's something that we should actually discuss with Austin Blythe as well, because they paid him almost nothing. I and mean, we're talking about a guy that started essentially was a full-time starter the last three seasons mm-hmm. for a, a team that made the playoffs two out of those three years. Mm-hmm. And he signed for, I think 990 K was his base salary. So, I mean, basically, basically nothing. I mean, he's basically playing for free. Uh, He's basically paying us to come in for the (laughs) opportunity to play for the Chiefs. Uh, It's a good situation. I mean, there's still some talent out there in free agency. We're going to see if the Chiefs can bring in any more of these guys. But one more guy that the Chiefs signed, technically... Technically, Taylor, a returning player, mm. Tajay Sharp. Run it back. <laughs> yeah, baby. Tajay Sharp, former Titan, former Viking, technically. He was on the Vikings in 2020, and he saw three targets. And he didn't catch a pass.
1: Ooh, over for 3. But,
0: but uh, you know, he's a former Titan, and I feel like we can almost just throw out anything that the Titans did with Marcus Mariota and say, we don't know if this guy's good or not because he was playing with Marcus Mariota and the Titans were just, I mean, they were a moribund passing attack with Marcus Mm -hmm. Mariota under center. I I pulled the numbers on this because I was curious to see kind of how the switch over to Ryan Tannehill last year uh, affected him. And in fact, it, it was pretty, I mean, in 2019, I should say two years ago, cause it's 2021, but how that, uh, how that ignited Tajay sharp former fifth round pick. And I got to tell you, Taylor 38 games with Marcus Mariota, Matt Castle and Blaine Gabbert at quarterback. Not good. Not great. Per game averages, 3.7 targets, 1.9 receptions, 24.8 yards. His catch percentage with those idiots throwing him the ball 51.4%. Mm. He's catching about half his passes. Uh, 13.11 yards per reception, only four touchdowns in essentially 38 games, 140 targets, four touchdowns. Okay. Okay. In nine games with Ryan Tannehill, he had 25 targets. So he's getting targeted about the same amount, but he caught 20 of them for 223 yards, only 11 yards per reception. So the yards per reception, a little bit lower, but his catch percentage, 80%, his yards per target went up from 6.74 to 8.92. yeah. So more than two full yards per target and four touchdowns in nine Ooh. games, as opposed to four touchdowns in 38 games with Marcus Mariota, Matt Castle, and Blink Abbott as his quarterback. So, you know, uh, a guy that, who knows? I mean, he might end up being the fourth or fifth receiver. He might end up on the practice squad, but a guy that's, you know, he's he's been in the NFL a while and he's had some occasional success. He could be interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like those numbers. That definitely, you know, is illustrating just how first of all, like you said, how bad the Titans were until Tannehill, but then if Tannehill's that much of a step up, you know, then you take up another little step <laughs> no. up when you go to Pat and You're right, you give him, him the Patrick,
0: you give him the Patrick Price, you nice. give him the uh, Mahomes bump there. Uh yeah, could be interesting. Speaking of wide receivers that are on the move, Sammy Watkins, happy trails. Yeah, good for him. Signed yeah. with our rival the Baltimore Ravens. Well, I don't know. Is it really a rivalry? I feel like feel like they have to beat us first, but uh, kind of an interesting signing. I, um, he got one year, 6 million. I uh, quite a bit of that was actually guaranteed. So, you know, a lot of people out there making jokes, you know, he's going to get paid $6 million for three games or whatever it is. You know, I get it. I hear your jokes. I, I completely get, The frustration with Sammy Watkins and I, I think you and I were on the same page that we didn't really want to see him come back, but I'm going to miss him and I wish him well.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. Nothing but love for the Lizard King um, was obviously a huge part of the Super Bowl run and I, you know, sure he didn't live up to the signing, but there's a lot worse than you can do than not live up to the signing. I mean, he he was still a good dude, and the teammates liked him. And, and like you said, just um, happy trails. Anytime the Ravens don't play the Chiefs, then good luck to Sammy.
0: Yeah, I'll be rooting for him because I actually do have him on my Dynasty team in our Dynasty do. League together. I gave up McCole Hardman in the package to acquire Sammy Watkins, and to you me. ended up with McCole Hardman. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know which of us uh, <laughs> got screwed more by that yeah. trade because yeah. – they both have been pretty, pretty disappointing. Yeah. Uh, the the only regret that I'll have about this signing is if Sammy comes and tortures us like in playoff game, that, that would, that would upset me. I, that would be extremely upsetting. Sammy Watkins would be dead to me if he shows up in a playoff game, healthy and roasts the chiefs and we lose that. Ugh. I'll burn all of my Sammy. All my Sammy pictures, all my Sammy jerseys. <laughs> right, right. Anything, anything positive I've ever said about Sammy Watkins, I will retract. But until that happens, and it probably won't, we can we can keep on loving on the Lizard King. Uh, Tano Passigno also uh, going on his way, signing with the New Orleans Saints. Did you see the terms of this deal? No, I didn't. So he signed for essentially a two-year deal, but it's actually a five-year deal because he's signing with the Saints. And he's signing for like $4 million. And the saints are so fucked with their cap situation that they had to add on like three dummy years so they can Oof. sign a guy for basically like $4 million. Like Oof. they just are in their, their Irish cap race. situation is berserk, but happy trails to Tano. Obviously that guy is, uh, you know, he, he's a he had his moments. He's a monster. He is uh, the big NFL news Taylor that I, I feel like we should talk about in this news segment. Yeah. Last Friday afternoon, right as you know everybody's getting ready to leave the office and go home for the weekend the dolphins and the 49ers made a wild trade the dolphins traded back from pick number three to pick number 12 in this upcoming 2021 draft and the 49ers took their number three pick they gave them number 12 in this draft they gave them a first round pick in 2022 they gave them a first round pick in 2023 And they also gave them a third round pick for the privilege of moving up from number 12 to number three in the draft. And then about 10 minutes later, the Dolphins made a trade with the Philadelphia Eagles to move back up from number 12 to number six. And so they gave up one of those first rounders to move back up. So all in all, we had the number three, the number six, and the number 12 picks all changing hands within the span of about 30 minutes on a Friday, the draft is still a month away. What, what did you make of all of this? This was a wild Friday afternoon.
1: It was, um, you know, I think what was interesting to me about this was the Dolphins were trading away one of their first round picks that they got in the Houston trade with Laramie Tunsil when they sent Laramie Tunsil to Houston and they got the third overall, what ended up being the third overall because Houston was so bad. And then that's what they flipped. And so everyone was kind of trying to, to mold all of these trades into one big blob and say, okay, the Dolphins got rid of Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills and they got in a first round pick in 2020, a first round pick in 2021, a second in 2021 and a first in 2023. And they, so like, they just, they got this huge haul for Laramie Tunsil who ended up screwing the Texans over obviously by having all that leverage after they brought him in and signed the biggest deal in offensive lineman history. But Um, I think that what's interesting about the dolphins going to 12 and then back up to six with the Eagles is that, you know, you kind of like, if you're trading back to 12, you're kind of giving up on the quarterback hunt, right? Like you're right there. There's a bunch of really good names in quarterback this year, and they're probably all going to go very high. And then if you're getting in that 12 range, you're not really in play for one of them. And then, they flip one of those first round picks and get back up into six. And now you're like, well, so how, how much do they believe in Tua? Are they going to, you know, are they just getting up to six to take the best player available? That's not one of the top quarterbacks and just kind of build the roster that way. I don't know. I think it's really interesting what Miami's doing. doing. Um, and I'm excited to see kind of how they build that roster to compete in the AFC East. And it's looking more and more like new England's going to be the third the third best team in AFC East for a while. I mean, between the bills and the dolphins uh, both these teams are set up to succeed for quite a while. It seems like.
0: Yeah, they are. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, I mean, I guess if Tua doesn't pan out this year, despite them, you know, adding another playmaker, whether it be the tight end out of Florida Kyle Pitts, or whether they add Jamar chase out of LSU, you know, there are guys that they have the option to add. They're going to get a playmaker at number six, if they're not getting, the, yeah. fifth, the fifth quarterback or whatever off they the board Will at Fuller. number six. They added Will Fuller. You know, Tua's not going to have a lot of excuses. So no. if if for whatever reason he doesn't pan out, I guess they move up next year with all the draft capital they have and draft a quarterback next year. I mean, they have the mobility. They have the options to be able to do that. I I, I think it's interesting to kind of look at it from the 49ers perspective Yeah, because obviously the, the big discussion in the aftermath of – this trade was which quarterback are the 49ers going to take? You're talking about moving up to number three in the draft, which is something that the, the jets also recently did Uh, the jets. When they took Darnold moved up to number three, I think they gave up three second round picks to the Colts to do that. Mm -hmm. And obviously when you're picking a quarterback and you're going up to number three, what that means is you have to like, three quarterbacks because <laughs> right, right. you have to assume that the two picks in front of you are both going to be quarterbacks, whether those teams stand pat or whether they trade down to another team moving up to take a quarterback. And so there was immediately a, a big conversation about, you know, which quarterback the 49ers maybe were targeting after Trevor Lawrence presumably goes off the board one, one to the Jaguars. And then Zach Wilson has been kind of the hot name to the jets at number two, Mm-hmm well, the hot rumor – I mean like like every source is reporting that they're like locked in on Mac Jones, yeah, the quarterback out of Alabama, which is yeah. crazy to me because – I don't know. Mac Jones might be good, but don't you want somebody – I mean don't you want somebody a little bit more dynamic, like a little yeah. bit more – like, like I if you're going to – yeah. If you're going to trade three, essentially three first round, pick, let's call it two first round picks. Cause you're, mm-hmm. you're trading you flip one. one of them. You flip, you're flipping one. Yeah. If you're giving up two first round picks, don't you want to raise the ceiling of your team? Like, don't you think Mac Jones is like at best, like just a better version of Jimmy Garoppolo? Maybe I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't really understand it.
1: Yeah. I mean, Mac Jones is, you know, they, they say he's NFL ready. That's kind of the, you know, the description of him. Like he's the, he's the quickest one to just kind of slot in and be able to run an NFL offense. But at the same time, his, his physical traits are not, I mean, they're, they're, he's a, he's a quarterback. He's gifted physically, but it's not like, it doesn't blow you away the way that Fields would. Justin Fields absolutely has that kind of Deshaun Watson. He sort of, well, well, I maybe, uh, I should use a different example these days, but yeah,
0: sure. Right. But you
1: know, that, that athletic dynamic ability that, um, I just don't really see out of Mac Jones. And I don't know. I agree with you. I think that, You want to trade up high to get a high ceiling player and not a high floor player. And if they believe that Mac Jones is a high floor player, they probably could have gotten him at 12. They certainly could have gotten him later than three. I mean, no one else was angling to take Mac Jones at three. So they could have picked a target out and, you know, the Eagles ended up trading up into six. And like, or the Dolphins did with the Eagles, like they could have, they could have gotten that pick away and and right. six for Mac Jones still would have been considered a little bit of a reach. So, right, yeah, I think Sam Fran's uh, John Lynch might've gotten one too many hits in his playing days. I don't know what he's, I don't know what he's up to there.
0: I don't know what he's up to either, but I'm really fascinated by this draft in the first round. We're going to talk about the 1999 draft here in a, a little bit, but it sounds like that draft is one of of three drafts in history where three quarterbacks went one, two, three in the first three picks, and it sounds like this could be a quarterback draft where I mean we're talking about maybe the first four picks in a row could be quarterbacks, yeah. maybe the first five picks. I think it sounds like there could be. In. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it sounds like the fourth pick, which I believe is owned by the Atlanta Falcons That's could right. also be a quarterback or they could trade down for a team moving up to take a quarterback. And it sounds like there could even be a fifth guy, maybe taken in the top 10. I mean, it's a, it's going to be a really interesting year and it should be said, I mean, we're talking about the top of the first round, which obviously the chiefs are not anywhere close to and will not ever be close to as long as <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid right. are running this team. Unless they trade for it. But, Exactly. But obviously whenever you have a draft class where there's multiple quarterbacks going in the first round, it's good for a team like the chiefs because they don't need a quarterback mm-hmm. and these other teams trading up and paying a premium to take these quarterbacks in the top 10 picks that pushes the rest of the draft class down to the chiefs, the skill players, the tackles, True. the defensive prospects. And so it's a, uh, it's worth keeping an eye on. We're going to be obviously covering the draft in uh, in our own way as we uh, move towards mm-hmm. draft day which is uh, a month from today so it's going to be exciting to see what happens taylor you want to take a peek at our mailbag here yeah let's
1: get into the bag
0: sure so we got one from our man the original gmf mailbag question for next week sorry if this has already been asked it hasn't that's okay what is your earliest memory as a chiefs fan Mine is watching the playoff game against the Colts in 04 that didn't have a punt. Ugh. Yeah. Yes. That is a painful memory for sure. So uh, I, this is a weird one. I've talked about kind of um, my football fandom before and I, I didn't get really into football until I was in college in the early two thousands, uh, I guess, I guess mid mid aughts. Um, but my earliest chiefs memory and this is burned into my brain which is crazy because i i was not really a football fan when this happened but i I looked up the date i I did not have the date etched in my brain but it was november 16th taylor of 1997. i was in a best buy all right with my dad uh i was 10 years old i i was in uh the best buy with my dad in uh, overland park probably shopping for pc games there were a lot of good ones that came out that year diablo came out the original diablo uh, X Wing versus TIE Fighter, Lego Island, that was a good one. Uh, Panzer General 2, played a lot of that. Uh, Total Annihilation, Age of Empires, Worms 2, Quake 2, all Man, good, ones. All, good ones. all the good ones, all the hits. Yep. Those, uh, the late 90s were a very good time for PC gaming. And I was very right. into that. I was not into football. That's what I was doing. I, w- I was playing these PC games instead of, instead of, you know, watching football. So the Chiefs were playing the Broncos. The Chiefs were seven and three. The Broncos were nine and one. Okay. Sorry. The Broncos were up 22 to 21 after Jason Elam hit a field goal with two minutes left in the game. So the chiefs get the ball on their own 27 drive to the Denver 37. As time expires. Pete Styanovich <laughs> hits a game winning 54 yard field goal. Taylor. Do you remember this call from Mitch Holtis?
1: Uh, no, I remember the kick very well. It was a knuckle kick line drive, barely crossed the upright um, I mean, I remember the, the game absolutely, but no, I do not remember Mitch's call. Is this Pete Stoyanovich for president?
0: Yes, it was Pete okay, Stoyanovich yeah. for president. Yeah, and right. I didn't even know I was 10 and I was much more interested in computer games than I was in football, but for some reason, this memory like, is burned into my brain and carrying I, him off I, the field
1: and all that stuff. I mean, it was
0: well, and I, I wasn't even why I, I like what I remember was the radio call because oh. they had. They had the radio playing in the Best Buy, which I mean, like, is also just you know that's such a that's such a 1997 memory, yeah. right? Like to like yep. have the the audio of a Chiefs broadcast <laughs> being broadcast in a Best Buy, which barely yeah. even exists anymore. Right. Uh, but yeah, Pete Sionovich for president. That's that's what I remember from my from my youth. I will tell you, my earliest Royals memory, by the way, is sure. uh, going to a. Royals game circa like 1994 when I was seven and uh, Bob Hamlin was, was big back then. And you know, the, the hammer time thing.
1: Uh, Yeah.
0: So, you know, those, those are like my nineties sports memories. Um, But I'm curious to hear yours.
1: Yeah. So I um, definitely grew up in a chief's house. My dad had every single chief's game on since my earliest memories. So yeah, I had a hard time picking out, you know, they were just with me the whole time. I, I didn't really have a single memory, but one game I eventually got to the point where I was paying attention where it wasn't just the chiefs game was on. It was like, I knew the players and I knew the standings and I was, you know, I was into it and, and that to me, one of the very first times I remember thinking about the implications of a win was 1995 and 1995 is another year that the chiefs went 13 and three, just like 1997. And uh, this game was a Monday night game against the San Diego chargers and going into the game, the Chiefs were four and one. Chargers were three and two. It was a big uh, Monday night showdown for the AFC West. And the uh, Steve Bono was, of course, the Chiefs quarterback in 1995, sure, of, course. Of, course. of course. And the Chargers had taken a seven-point lead. Um, the Chiefs had their last drive of the game to tie it. And uh Steve Bono hit Derek Walker for the game tying touchdown I remember it was at the front of the end zone about middle of the field about 15 seconds left and and Chiefs tied it and so then they go to overtime Chiefs punted it on in overtime Chargers punted it back to the Chiefs and when they punted it back to the Chiefs to Merrick Vanover who everyone remembers as one of the most dynamic punt returners not named Dante Hall or Tyree Killen, oh, yeah. Chiefs history and vanover took it to the house he went 86 yards up the left side and mm. what i remember is that whoever the chargers punter was got him at the shoulder pads he he grabbed him and pulled him and vanover bent over like he was gonna get tackled and then he just shrugged him off because he was a punter and took off down the sideline and, <laughs> and hit the walk off and so that was uh You know, it was late. It was a Monday night. It was probably a school night, I would imagine. Um, Yeah, it was October. Of course it was. And I was just beside myself. I mean, I just remember going to bed that night thinking about the Chiefs are five and one. Like I was I was like thinking about like what it meant. That was the first time I like actually was a fan and not really just like, oh, the Chiefs, this is fun. So I was let's see, in 95, I was eight. Yeah, that's about right. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good one. We appreciate that mailbag question, original GMF. That's always fun to take trips down memory lane, you know, back to uh, 1998 uh, Best Buy or 1997 <laughs> Best Buy. Uh, yeah, fun times. Uh, we've got another mailbag question, Taylor, from Jordan Scaren. Why don't you read this one into the record for us?
1: Sure, caca. <laughs> jo- Jordan Scaren asked. Obviously, we know the first team to go 17-0 in the regular season. Hashtag Take It Back. <laughs> which team do you think will be the first to go? 0 and 17. So obviously there have been teams to go. 0 and 16 and 0 and 14, but no team has had the opportunity yet to go. 0 and 17. I said on the tweet at the time, and I'll stand by this because it's a great answer that I think the Raiders are going to go and 17. Sure. First. I think they're, yeah. they're set up to just completely implode worse than any team has imploded in, in a while, And That's because their leadership sucks. Their talent sucks. They just don't really have direction. And when you don't have direction and you put a bunch of faith into a guy that we're going to roast later because he sucks, John Gruden, when you put a bunch of faith into a guy to build a a roster and it turns out he can't do it, you're just going to end up blowing it all up and starting from scratch. And when you start from scratch, there's always the chance that uh, you don't line up and win a single game in the NFL. So I'm going to take the Raiders and I'm going to take them within the next three or four years.
0: You know, I, I, like, I obviously, I love that pick. Of course. I, I A little pandering, I'm, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the, you know, the list here of all the NFL teams and, and where they finished in 2020. And it's really hard to pick out. I, I mean, it's hard to pick this out because it really feels like the Raiders are one of the only teams that isn't either standing still or ascending. Like I, yeah. I can look at all these teams. Yeah. You look at the NFC West, CL, the Rams, the Cardinals, the 49ers, like all those teams are, are on the up and up, right? Yep. The NFC South. I mean, Carolina, sure. They might be backsliding a little bit, but I believe in Matt rule. They won five games last year, you know, Atlanta, they got a new coach, Arthur Smith. They might be taking a quarterback. They might be adding, you know, a big time playmaker at the fourth overall pick. They won four games last year. They've you got know, quite like, a bit I, of talent. They do. They've got a lot of, they got a lot of talent, you know, Cincinnati, won four games last year, but Joe Burrow was hurt half of the year. They've got a top five pick this year, you know, like Jacksonville went one in 15, but they're, they're getting, Lawrence. yeah, they're getting Trevor Lawrence. They're getting, you know, they're, they've got some extra first round picks the next couple of years. They've got urban Meyer who knows how that'll go, but like their ascendant, the jets have the second overall pick, you know, they went two and 14. Uh, the obvious choice for me is Houston. Yeah. Which went four and twelve last year, and, and might no not have Deshaun Watson, yep. and might not have Deshaun Watson, and depending on how his legal situation plays out, might not be getting anything for Deshaun Watson, right? Oh. So, like, uh, they, they're, oh. they're, they're, they're in a bad situation. That's uh, a good candidate be, for sure. They could be, they could be for sure going zero and seventeen in the next two or three years. I think they're a good candidate, but honestly, after them like the Raiders might actually be, they, I I get that it's a, you know, it's, it's a Homer pick a little bit, but yeah, a little bit, but like all these other teams that these teams that were really bad, they, for the most part went out and hired coaches that I think are better than John Gruden and are going to draft quarterbacks that are, I think are better than Derek Carr. Right. Like, so like, I, I don't know, like, I guess one of these NFC East teams maybe could really bottom out. Like, maybe the Eagles, they have a bad cap situation, you know, like who knows if Jalen hurts is good or not, but like, I, I don't know. And their, their coach now is what Nick Sirianni, I think is yeah. their coach. Who knows if he's a good coach or not. I, I mean, they could, they could maybe bottom out, you know, like the saints, I don't know. Their roster is too talented. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think the Raiders are legitimately like, a candidate, one of the three or four teams that would be a serious candidate to go. Oh, and 17. And I think the Texans are the odds on yeah, the other Vegas <laughs> clear, pick clear favorite, but yeah, that's uh, it's going to be fascinating to see. I mean, we have uh two Oh, and 16 teams ever. The lions, and the Browns both did it. It took a, a long time to get those teams. I mean, they both just did it in the last 20 years. Yep. Uh, and you know we had a 16 game schedule since what, like the the 70s, the mid 70s, I think. It's
1: been a while, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's gonna be or the late 70s, I think. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, if anybody can really can really get there right away. I guess we kind of buried some news. There's a 17th game. <laughs> it doesn't. It sure. doesn't feel like it doesn't. We've feel been talking like news about it. I mean, because we've been talking about it for a year, but it yeah. is official now. We are gonna have a 17th game. It's gonna be Chiefs versus Packers. Yep.
1: It's going to be fun. It's not going to be played in the last week of the season. So it's it's everyone not. Stop, stop talking. Takes stop about, talking about it. It's going to be yeah. Tim Boyle on the field for the Packers versus <laughs> Chad Henney or whatever. Yeah, it's not going to happen.
0: Tim Boyle's probably going to throw like eight picks just like he did in college. <laughs> Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> Got him. Check Heated Tim, it, Tim Boyle, Boyle off
1: your bingo cards, ladies and gentlemen. Fuck John Elway.
0: Crushed him. Fuck John Elway. Fuck Tim Boyle. <laughs> Let's roast the 1999 draft. Taylor, I'm just going to give you the floor on this one to start off.
1: So we picked this draft for one very specific reason. We'll talk about a couple aspects of the draft, but um, the reason that we picked the 1999 draft to start was because we were looking at the quarterbacks as Austin talked about earlier, saw that they were going to probably go one, two, three. He was talking about other drafts where they had the quarterbacks go first, second and third overall. And we came across the 1999 draft and the 1990 draft, 1999 draft is berserk, but, what makes it more berserk than the first three picks being quarterbacks is is the fact that the New Orleans Saints, they Oof. were looking at the draft board, all right? Yep. And they were like, all right, we got to have, I know there's a bunch of quarterbacks that everybody likes, but we want a running back. We're smart. We're smart NFL team. And we know that running backs win championships <laughs> and we have got to do whatever we can. To get this running back, Ricky Williams, I don't care what it takes. You call up everyone in the top five of the draft, and you give them the farm, and you get me Ricky Williams at the at whatever draft you can. They they called up the Bengals, and they were like, "Yo, Cincy, you're drafting second. We got to have this. We got to have this guy. We'll give you everything. We'll give you all of our picks this entire draft, and two first round picks in the future." And Cincy's like, "Nah, we got our eyes on this guy. We're we're not going to trade this pick for anything." So they're like, "All right." So then they call up, <laughs> this is just, I, I can't believe that this is how 1999 NFL operated, but it is. Oh, this and is.
0: they're literally calling them up on like rotary phones, in yes, 1999. You know, like we're going to talk about who the Bengals took with the third overall pick too, where they said no to their entire draft plus two additional first yeah, round I, picks. I
1: tease that specifically because mm. it's mm. insane. Oh, it's so amazing. Anyway, it's incredible. So eventually they call up Washington and the Washington expletive deleted's they were sitting there at five and they get this call and they're like, is this a prank call? They're like, <laughs> like Mike Dicka, are you really going to give us your entire draft for our fifth, fifth pick? They're like, you know, that one through four could take your guy, right? Yeah. Like they right. Could, they could absolutely take this guy. And then you're, you're trading a whole draft for nothing. And they're like, now nah, we're, no one's gonna do it. No one's gonna see this coming. It's fine. Just
0: they probably just, thought that it was the the Saturday Night Live version of Mike Ditka calling. Yes, you, right? yes, like, exactly. Whatever Duh Bears. Yes. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. We'll it's give one you of Duh the draft. Course. Yeah, and and so they execute this trade, and I'm just gonna read the text of the trade because it's the it's the only way my brain can really wrap. Yeah, sure. So, 1999, April 17th, the Washington Football Team traded. Their first-round pick, fifth overall, to the Saints. That's all they gave up. First-round pick, fifth overall. And they got back. 1999 first-round pick, 12th overall. So that's the flip. 1999 third, 1999 fourth, 1999 fifth, 1999 sixth, 1999 seventh, 2001st, and 2003rd. So that's what they ended up getting for one pick for seven spots in the draft. So... What does New Orleans do with their newfound toy that's fifth overall in the draft? Well, let me tell you something. They don't even get the first player of this position off the board. So, so they didn't even draft the top cornerback or the top, you know, whatever. Edger and James goes fourth overall to Indianapolis and New Orleans is going, Oh, they didn't take him. Oh, thank Uh God. They didn't take him because they needed a running back. And we just traded a whole draft pick for a whole draft for a running back and they didn't take him. So they get sticky, icky, Ricky at fifth overall now this is on its face probably the most bizarre trade in nfl history or certainly top
0: you know it's top two with another trade that happened (laughs) shortly after this one in which john gruden was traded for two first round picks to the tampa bay buccaneers yeah Yeah, like like three years after this the early 90 or the the late 90s early 2000s nfl was just it was it was wild man it was It was it was out
1: of control so we've got that. We've got the, we've got the saints trading up to the fifth spot and getting their second running back off the board for an entire draft. So
0: that, can I just interject here too the, the saints, the saints, let me be clear. This was their, this was their third draft with Mike Ditka running the show. Okay. In 1997 Ditka was head of the saints and they went six and 10 and in 1998 he was head of the saints and they went six and 10 <laughs> and after two, six and 10 seasons, they said, let's trade our entire draft <laughs> for a running for back. a running back. The, the running back two in this draft, I just, I, I just had to speak that out loud because it's so ridiculous. I mean, this was, this was 22 years ago.
1: Yep. Yep. And even though Ricky Williams was good at Texas, because I mean, he was, he played in the same backfield as priest Holmes. Uh, he was, this was not like the most home run draft pick of all time. Like, I just, I don't know what they were smoking. But whatever it was, it has well, <laughs> since been legalized. So what was Ricky smoking. Exactly. Is the real question. Probably Just, he probably got them super <laughs> stoned and then was like, you should trade for me. <laughs> yeah.
0: He probably was so high. Yeah, he like box dick cag, yeah, yeah, in the interview room. Sure, yeah. totally. For exactly. sure. Exactly. So then percent That's definitely what happened.
1: So that's that's one of the, the crazy aspects of this draft. Let's shift for a second to what brought us to this draft, which is picks one, two, and three. Why don't you go ahead and talk about what you know about one, two, and three?
0: Yeah. So, so I, uh, I mentioned earlier that this upcoming draft is very likely. It seems set in stone at this point that the first three picks at least in this draft are going to be quarterbacks. And that's only happened two other times. So in 1971, Jim Plunkett, Archie Manning and Dan Pastorini were the first three players off of the board. And in, uh, 1999, we had three quarterbacks taken in the first three picks and five in the first round, which also is a little bit of a rarity. The five plus first round quarterbacks had only happened two other times. One happened in 2018. That was Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson in, in the first round. And then 1983, of course the famous quarterback draft, six quarterbacks, John Elway, Jim (laughs) Kelly, Tony Eason, Todd Blackledge, Ken O'Brien and Dan Marino getting selected six quarterbacks in the first round in 1983, some Hall of Famers in there and Todd Blackledge in there and John Elway in there (laughs) is nominally a Hall of Famer. But this draft class, three quarterbacks in the first three picks. And these quarterbacks are, I, I mean, listen, you know, this is a roast. So we're always going to talk about the worst decisions made in the draft class mm-hmm. and the saints trading their entire draft for Ricky, Ricky Williams is obviously absurd and ridiculous. And in hindsight, a very, very stupid decision and a dumb decision at the time, but we got to talk about these quarterbacks because there were five quarterbacks taken in the first round, starting with number one, overall Tim couch. Okay. Tim couch Played in a total of 62 games in his NFL career. Mm -hmm. Okay. But as a starter, he only ended up starting 59 of those games. He played in the NFL for five seasons. He started 60 or 59 games. He played in 62 games. He essentially was, when healthy, the Browns' full time starter. Okay. For four and a half NFL seasons. And then he was just gone. Gone. He like, vanished like, like a, a sh- ghost. Yeah, he pe- he pieced out. He uh, wasn't a backup. He he wasn't in the seat. C- well, he might have been in the CFL. I don't know if he was in the CFL. He sure. wasn't on a practice squad. He wasn't a backup. He was just gone. Okay, he was gone. He went twenty-two and thirty-seven. That's not good. Okay, that's not very good. He completed pretty good for the Browns,
1: though.
0: Yeah, it's season <laughs> for the Browns. It's true. It's it's not the zero and sixteen Browns. No. That's for sure. His his worst record was as a rookie uh he went two and 12 so I mean he won two games that year all right uh, which is more than you know the Browns of Hugh Jackson's in fact Hugh Jackson I don't think won two games the entire he was, time he was
1: coaching yeah, the that's right I think he's like 1 and 30.
0: yeah so you know I mean Tim couch uh better than Hugh <laughs> Jackson at football sure. apparently sure low bar uh yeah 59 career completion percentage 64 touchdowns in 59 starts. And 67 interceptions. So,
1: <laughs> not uh, a very good
0: player. Uh, a career we. quarterback rating of 75.1. So, actually, even a worse quarterback rating than John Elway. That's hard to but do. Not- Not a very good player, not a very good player. John Elway with the 79 career quarterback rating. The number two overall pick, Taylor, Donovan McNabb, uh, obviously famous for his endorsement of McDonald's, (laughs) a very famous athlete in the city of Philadelphia. That was Andy Reid's first uh, draft, I believe, with the Eagles, first or second draft with the Eagles and his first first round quarterback and his only first round quarterback until he drafted Patrick in 2017. Both worked Uh, out pretty well. They did both work out pretty well. Uh, Donovan McNabb ended up being by far the best quarterback of this draft class. So kudos to Andy knocking that pick out of the park. He obviously had a very long borderline hall of fame career, six pro bowl appearances, you know, those four NFC championship games and obviously the super bowl appearance in there losing to the Patriots. But I want to talk about the third pick you teased it. And I'm going to let you bring this home because you, you did some legwork on this guy, the Bengals. The Bengals received a a godfather offer from the Saints who really really wanted Ricky Williams. They were going to give him their entire draft plus two additional first-round draft picks okay, to move up to number three overall. And the Bengals said, no, we got our guy. We're pretty sure Tim Couch and Donovan McNabb are going to be off the board. But we got this guy at number three that we really like, that we just have to have. And that guy's name was Akili Smith. And you're going to tell us about Akili Smith.
1: Yep, good old Akeely. Anybody that was paying attention to the NFL in that time probably still remembers this story. But for those who weren't, he was a 1993 MLB prospect. The Tigers actually drafted him in the seventh round of the MLB draft, which, or sorry, the Pirates drafted him, which is actually very high for an MLB draft pick. That's not seventh round NFL talk. I mean, that goes 50 rounds or whatever. So he said no, he went back to college. And he actually played um, a little bit of like independent baseball. It wasn't, it didn't actually play major league baseball. He's he was going the Lou Kochever route. Exactly. Exactly. And so He's then. playing he, for the Fort Worth River Cats or something. <laughs> that's right. Yes. And so eventually he comes back to college and after a couple years in a community college because he couldn't get an SAT score high enough to get into a big school oh no he, I know which is not good because those SATs <laughs> to get into state schools are basically like put your name on the SAT and you're good but you know Achille was struggling um he did eventually get a job at Oregon as their quarterback for 11 games and in those 11 games this 24 year old senior quarterback through 32 touchdowns and hmm. and that's Seems pretty good for 11 games he's tossing three a game he's he's an old baseball prospect he's a little bit older everybody's kind of feeling like oh this akili smith guy he might be able to ball
0: he's 24 and he's out playing against like 19 year olds that's pretty right. much. so
1: you know he's that's right yeah he towered above him he was just you know he was able to just go out there and sling man him. among boys yeah man, man among boys and so so the bengals they get this call And they, they say, you know, we could trade back to 12 where first of all, I'm guessing Achilles Smith would still have been available much like the aforementioned San Francisco trade, but they said, nah, we we can't risk anybody between three and 12 picking this guy up. He's our, he's our superstar. He's our ticket to, to fame and fortune. So we're going to go ahead and give you your whole draft back. And we're (laughs) just going to take at three overall, we're going to take Achilles Smith. So draft night comes along. Paul Tagliabu looks down at the card and then looks up and he's like, "Oh, this must be a mistake. I, This isn't your seventh round pick. This is the first. And they're like, "No, we we got it. We got it. Go ahead, read it out." This so, guy was amazing
0: in those eleven games at Oregon. Paul. Yeah, eleven okay, games.
1: Like, we know what we're doing, Paul. <laughs> so, so they draft Akili Smith and poor Akili. You know, for all the hype and all the the glory that comes with being picked third overall in an NFL draft as a quarterback. Uh, he just he just never had it. So his first year, he gets a little dinged up. He only gets to play four games, and he goes one and three. I think that was his first four games, and then he uh, gets a little injury bug. But in his first four games, he wasn't even performing that well. Not only was he one and three, he had thrown two touchdowns to six interceptions. Ooh, that's not good. Eight hundred yards in four games, so he's averaging about two hundred yards a game.
0: That's not good either.
1: And he goes in the next year to the Bengals job, and they're like, dude we like, we like really needed you to show more than that last year. And he's like, I got this. Don't worry about it. I got (laughs) this. So then 11 games into the Bengals 2000 season, they're sitting there and they're like, Hey, Akili, you know, we're two and nine right now. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we have three touchdowns in 12 games. That should be good. (laughs) Right. That's basically what I did in college. And they're like, no, you did 30 in 12 games, not three. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. So he sucked. (laughs) And they benched him and he got two more starts in one more start in 2001, one more start in 2002, lost them both, obviously, and ended his NFL career a mere four seasons after it began as the third overall pick at quarterback. Oh my God. And he ended it with a three and 14 winning record and five touchdowns and 13 interceptions in 17 games.
0: A career 46.6% completion percentage. That's that's quite putrid. His quarterback rating, Taylor, 52.8. That was his career quarterback rating. Remember, 39
1: is spiking it into the ground.
0: That's right. And uh, he was a mere 13 points better than that. And in fact, one season, his final season, which was just one start. But to be clear, his last start in the NFL, his quarterback rating in that game was a 34.5. He uh, he went 12 for 33 for 117 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. And that is worse than just spiking into the ground on every single play. (laughs) And that was the guy that the Bengals said, no, thanks. We don't want your entire draft, New Orleans. We don't want your first round picks the next two years. We want to draft a Keeley Smith who started 11 games in college. And we want to make him our starting quarterback. Uh, Again, this was just this was just twenty two years ago that this draft took place and people were out here drafting quarterbacks with, you know, 24 years of age behind them and 11 college starts. I, it's crazy. Taylor. Let, it's let crazy.
1: me, let me give some more big picture stuff about the 1999 draft. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I've got all 50 of the previous drafts, as I've talked about in the of course. last couple shows, um, in all pro selections, all pro first team selections, the 1999 draft had a total of 12, which ranks 40th out of 50. So there it's are not only great. a handful fantastic. of drafts that had less than that, including 2009 and 2015, which uh, we talked about 2009. We might get to 2015 if we have enough weeks to do this. Uh, pro Bowl selections. So again, this is out of 50 drafts and – 1999 checks in at 33rd in Pro Bowl selections with a very nice 69 so
0: that is nice
1: so they they didn't get much done as a collective despite the top three being quarterbacks and then also their major the major crown jewel of this draft Ricky Williams didn't even end up at the end of his rookie deal on the New Orleans Saints. So everyone, of course, (laughs) that thinks back to Ricky Williams remembers him as a Dolphin, right? Like that's, you know, so he, in 2002, in March of 2002, the Saints were like, man, this experiment didn't work. We fired Ditka, we fired GM. We literally went three and 13 the year after we acquired a running back with all of our draft picks. So like everyone had to go, heads had to roll. So they flipped him back to the Dolphins or to the Dolphins and they traded Ricky and a fourth for the Dolphins' 2002 first-round pick and fourth-round pick, so they basically flipped Ricky for a first. After getting a, giving up three firsts, giving up an entire draft, seven picks, eight picks, whatever it was, they just you know they eat their losses three years later. And the Dolphins actually got a pretty good deal out of the out of the trade because he ended up being much better with the Dolphins than he ever was with the Saints. So yeah, and of course the Washington football team didn't even use all of these picks. They didn't even keep, you know, all of these, this bountiful harvest that they got for that pick. They went ahead and flipped him or flipped all these picks for champ Bailey straight up. So like, you know, these guys, they didn't know what they were doing. Washington couldn't even take what was given to them without going ahead and screwing it up even more. So
0: it's crazy. Yeah, man. And then they traded champ Bailey who <laughs> is in the hall of fame as a cornerback. Right. They went and turned around and traded champ Bailey like four years later for Clinton Portis, a running back who had been, you know, uh, schemed up in the old Kyle or not Kyle, the Mike Shanahan <laughs> offense in Denver, right? the running back factory. And they were like, ah, uh, yeah, sure. Let's trade this hall of fame cornerback that we lucked into because somebody was dumb enough to trade us all these picks for a running back. Let's trade this guy for a running back. And then he was fine. He was fine, <laughs> but he fine. wasn't, he wasn't yeah. champ Bailey. He wasn't a, he wasn't a hall of fame defensive
1: back i it's crazy so washington moved five spots up from 12 to seven and they flipped with the bears and so what the bears ended up doing was they took this pick that's been you know that 12 trades up and then then 12 trades up again and then the bears end up slotting into 12 and they pick Cade mcnown
0: Cade mcnown
1: goes 12th overall as the fourth quarterback off the board in this quarterback heavy draft class Oh, actually, Dante Culpepper fifth, won eleven. Yes, so Dante went, Culpepper won eleven. And obviously everyone remembers, you know, Minnesota did right there. Dante Culpepper was a great quarterback.
0: But he was until he got hurt, and then, you know.
1: But, but had, Cade McNown is yeah. the fifth quarterback taken twelfth overall, which is insane. Uh you want to know how many years he played in the NFL?
0: Uh well, gosh. So the first overall pick played five years in the NFL at quarterback. That's and right. the third overall pick played four years in the NFL That's also right. quarterback. So I'm going to guess Cade McNown didn't didn't do much better than that. <laughs> no, I he in guess. fact,
1: did much 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 worse. He played 2 years in the NFL. No, 1999, no. the year he was drafted. What? It's good that he played the year he was drafted. You know that he didn't just completely That's quit good. Before. Yeah, sure. Right. You know. And then the Bears, he went 2 and 4 and got hurt that year. And then he comes back in the next year in 2000, goes 1 and 8, they cut his ass and he never gets another job in the NFL.
0: That's crazy. So you had, of the top five quarterbacks taken in this draft, three of them did not last more than five years in the NFL. Two of them did not last more than four years in the NFL. And one of them correct. lasted two years That's in the correct. NFL. Here's a top 12 pick. Oof, this is a bad draft, Taylor. This is a bad draft. This is a bad draft.
1: It's bad, but it's not bad because they missed picks. It's bad because they were crazy about it. They, they like, they went completely insane and just put, went all in for these joker ass players and they, they paid for it.
0: I can't talk about this draft anymore. We're signing off everybody. We will see you next week. It's always sunny in chief's kingdom.